Welcome in to Talking Terps, a show which covers University of Maryland basketball and football. Talking Terps is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Terrapins. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into Talking Terps. I'm your host, Zach Kiesel. Talking Terps is brought to you courtesy of Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. Mercer's a third-generation family business established in 1959 and located on Main Street in beautiful, historic downtown Westminster, Maryland of Carroll County. For all of your flooring needs, think Mercer. So another disappointing week, unfortunately, for Maryland football team lost to Minnesota. They're back home this week facing Indiana for homecoming. Um, We're going to talk about those games and we're also going to talk some basketball to make sure that we uh, end things on a positive note here uh, mike popovic is not going to be able to join us he's out doing the very important work interviewing high school athletes but i'm joined by my co-host pat donahue pat how's it going man it's going well zach i uh i envy mike a little bit because i miss doing high schools like i live right near a high school right now and on friday nights i can hear the band and stuff and i always try and make it over there for or try to make it over there for a game and haven't been able to this season yet but um yeah it's it's there's something about high school football that's very um uh has a homey feel to it it feels very american you know yeah, I don't know if you saw. There's a there's a clip going viral from some high school where a, a defender picked off a, a saw pitch that running play yeah. and took it to the house. That was nuts. And that's the thing. It's like the, that's the type of thing you only see in high school football. And um, as a reporter, from a reporter standpoint, you, you never feel unless you are an actual celebrity reporter, you never feel like more of a celebrity as a reporter than even if you're just, you know, covering high school sports for your own True. blog. Like they, you know, parents and coaches and kids are, are more than happy to talk to you and share their, their life story. So it, it can be a lot of fun. No doubt. So, so around the big 10 first, uh, what wasn't really supposed to be an eventful week in the big 10 was eventful, at least in one game, uh, Illinois knocking off Penn state in nine overtimes, uh, 20 to 18, it's probably, it's definitely the only time an over any sort of, uh, even close to nine overtime game also hit the under. I got to yeah, know right. from you because there's a lot of debate. <laughs> How do you feel about the new college overtime with the two point conversion off? Uh, I, I don't hate it. I, I don't really have a strong opinion one way or another because it hasn't personally affected me yet. So I haven't, you know, had an opportunity to be like, you know, that that's, good or bad to look at the nuances of it but um i'm all for you know getting it to a point where you're you're, you're trying to end the game eventually you know you gotta tweak the rules as you go along in some way to make it you know so that one team's going to differentiate the other um and, and you know with how good kickers and stuff are getting these days as well um they just get better and better by the years. Not that college doesn't have its fair share of uh, questionable kickers, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. I think it's a good way to just kind of put an end. Cause I mean, let's face it. If you're, if you're in a quadruple or, or, you know, five, six overtime game, um, both teams put on, you know, 
it was an evenly matched game up until that point. It's yeah. got to end at some point. And if you're an underdog in that game, you played over your expectations. And if you're a favorite, you played under your expectations. But the game's got to end, and it was a good game either way. So how it happens uh, isn't necessarily uh, a huge concern for me. Yeah, the architects of this new rule probably didn't expect, what, it, what was it, five times, uh, starting with the third overtime and ending with the eighth, that neither team scored at all. Uh, yeah. You know, it was like yeah, nobody wanted to win this game. Neither. Team yeah, I mean, that can game. happen, too. It's not all about just ending it, I guess, as quickly as possible. It's about putting the teams in a in a situation to dictate that. And um, it was just one of those fluky things. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I saw the box score and I was flipping back and forth to the game. And <clears throat> I just felt like if I continued to watch, Penn State was going to win that game. Because that's always seems to happen <laughs> when I when I see Penn State's about to blow one and I tune in, they always somehow eke it out. But um, that was the highlight of my weekend, Zach. How about you? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I went up to uh, I went up to Baltimore for the Ravens Bengals game, so that wasn't Ooh. great either. Man, um, you had a rough weekend. Yeah, yeah but, you know, I've been to two football games this year. I went to the Maryland Iowa game and the Ravens Bengals game, and both I had to leave early in the fourth quarter. So I'm hoping I'm going down to Miami for the Ravens game down there in a few weeks. I'm hoping that I can at least get a game where I don't have to leave early. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, that should be a good one for you because not only Miami, but uh, I think the Ravens should be all right there. But uh, no, hey, I mean, sorry for your you know loss against the Bengals, but um, it's funny because even when I was living in Baltimore and the Ravens were winning Super Bowls and the Bengals were the Bengals, um, there was always one game a year because I lived with a diehard Ravens fan, so I've seen every Ravens game yeah. and. And either it was always AJ Green and, and Andy Dalton just torching you guys yep. in like weird situations, uh, even when they were horrible. So I don't know. You guys play them again this year, right? That was on the first yeah. meeting. Yeah. So you yeah. guys will get a chance at them. I think that the vision is uh, very, very strong, and, and the Bengals are part of that now. So um, yeah, it's yeah, kind of wild. Be like the, the Bengals and the Browns <laughs> are your secondary teams. Um, right. As a Ravens fan, those are your secondary teams. The Steelers are kind of an afterthought at this point. It's pretty yeah, weird. Yeah, they're struggling, change. but they're still a team you can't just you know like they'll yeah. they could win on any given week in in certain ways or with that defense. Yeah. So like it's it's tough. Changing of the guard in football. You got the Cardinals undefeated. That game tomorrow night should be good. Right. Cardinals. I just Packers, read JJ so. Watt will be out for that contest. So oh a couple, wow, a couple people that on might both make sides it a little closer. Out. Yeah, I yeah. know because because Devonte Adams is going to be out too. So yeah, it's weird. My Lots gut's telling me that somehow Rogers is going to find a way to win this one with yeah. despite that. But uh, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. So uh, elsewhere around the Big Ten, nothing really surprising. Ohio State and Michigan both handled their uh, games pretty easily. Wisconsin picked up a solid win over Purdue. Purdue mm-hmm. after they beat Iowa, they come back and get kind of blown out by Wisconsin. And now Wisconsin plays Iowa this week at home. I mean, that could be a, a good opportunity for Wisconsin to pick up a fifth win after their right. season. Didn't... Vegas knows something about Wisconsin that we don't yeah. because they had the fishy line uh, with the Purdue game. And, yep. and we saw that turned out. And now even the Iowa line's a fishy line. So maybe something has clicked with the Wisconsin team. They've found something internally that they're able to start to live up to those preseason expectations now. I mean, um, they're one of those teams that, like, they have a good enough defense. If they can just get enough offense and right. be consistent with it, that's right. all they need to win. Some, and they just haven't been able to do it this year. I mean, the defense didn't didn't play very well, at least in the second half against Notre Dame. But, but for the most part, their defense has not been bad this year. Yeah, it sounds like against Iowa, the under's the play. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although we thought that in that Wisconsin Notre Dame game, and it did not happen. Right? That that is the catch twenty two of betting. It never ha- happens how you expect it to happen. Just but that's probably the, the third biggest action. matchup this week because you got Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State, Ohio State. We talked about those games. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually last looking week. forward to those games quite a bit. That that should yeah. be some good football, some good rivalry football. Yeah, unfortunately, Michigan, Michigan State, the same time as the the Maryland game, so right. two screens up, Got for sure. Yep. Um, so Maryland obviously lost to Minnesota. We're not going to dwell on this because it's depressing, and it's pretty much the same story we've been telling all year long. But the story of this game was was Maryland had no answer for the Gophers' running game. I mean, that offensive line, it didn't matter that they had their third, fourth, fifth string running backs in. Didn't matter that offensive line is really good. Tanner Morgan only attempted twelve passes. They had 326 yards and four touchdowns on the ground, and Maryland couldn't get off the field uh, between them being able to run the ball at will and Maryland committing more and more costly penalties. I mean, I said it in the in the game thread at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. I, I feel like Maryland's on a quest to commit every penalty known to man this season because they had one that I've never even heard of. They had two guys wearing the same number on a punt <laughs> in the first on a half. Punt. Yeah. Surprised you don't see that happen more in college, honestly. But um, but that's <laughs> what the coaches are paid for. It's like make right. sure you don't have two guys wearing the same number on your special teams. Right, right, exactly. It's I mean, it's accountability across the board. It really is it, from the top down. I mean, it definitely starts with the coaches. Um, players have to have a certain level of awareness. Um, I mean, I I don't even know what more there is to add. To what you just said, I, it, it, it's pretty much as simple as that. They ran all over Maryland uh, with third, fourth, fifth string running backs. It didn't matter who was in there. As a team, they ran for 326 yards and four touchdowns, averaging 5.8 yards carry. Um, it's a big, big, big problem because you're not going to beat many teams, especially good ones or decent ones, if you can't stop the run. Um, they didn't look at, as bad at stopping the run early in the season, albeit against um, – some weaker competition, but I even saw, especially in that first half of that West Virginia game, some big gains uh, by the West Virginia running backs, and and um, they kind of tightened it up. Maryland did in the second half of that game, but um, I saw flashes of it being a little bit of an issue, and I'm not exactly sure right now if it's the linebackers or the D line. Uh, I, I'm kind of thinking it's more of the linebackers not filling their gaps and being in the right place at the right time, but um, it's it's most likely a um, you know, a multitude of things. And, you know, it, it, they didn't even need Tanner Morgan. Like you said, he threw 12 passes. They were really just 12 keep the defense honest passes, little short things. Um, it, it, it's a shame to see this team continue to um, – it's one thing to, you know, you have a deficiency in running the – stopping the run, so you get run on and that's why you lose the game. It's another thing to – get blown out because you're shooting yourself in the foot every single time too. So it'd be nice to see them at least start with cleaning that up. And then maybe, you know, if a team like Minnesota who happens to be strong against your weakness beats you, they're not beating you by 20 something points or what, what have you or whatever it ended up being. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it, it was a bummer. And really, like you said, there's, it's like beating a dead horse and we don't need to elaborate on it too much because you can listen back to our last three podcasts, um, all these losses. And it's really the same, the same issue, uh, running game and, and turnovers and penalties, um, penalties mostly in this one. So yeah, it's, uh, on to the next one. It's, it's homecoming. So hopefully they can at least get up for that game after three straight losses and, 
and find some um, motivation. Yeah, and weirdly enough, they're favored in this game against Indiana. That's how bad Indiana's been this year. Yeah, Indiana's been a bit of a dumpster fire, so that gives me hope as well. And so. not only that they've been a dumpster fire, but they're gonna they're on their third quarterback now, right. a guy who has basically no experience. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. and Jack Tuttle both injured. So they're on yep. Donovan McCulley, true freshman, former four-star, but he really doesn't have any experience. He's been yeah. brought in to kind of run, loan, like read options. <clears throat> Putting the ball, I mean, their offense has struggled all year, even mm-hmm. with Penix and Tuttle. Uh, and right. now they're going to turn it over to a true freshman. That's why Maryland's favored by five. The The guess is that Maryland's That's a telling line is, right there. The fact that we're favored by five over anybody, especially another Big yeah. Ten team. Um, I would. I mean, I'm not going to bet it, but I would I would take Maryland in that game. And I, you know, I know we'll probably do picks eventually, but um, this seems like a good spot for the Terps. Yeah, I mean, a good opportunity to rebound. I mean, and after this game, you run the gauntlet. Uh, and Indiana just went through it. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. Or we already did Ohio State, it's so crazy. we played Michigan State. But but so they, they've lost their last three against Penn State, <clears throat> Michigan State, Ohio State. All were blowouts except Michigan State. They lost by only five. Their defense played pretty well in that game. Uh, but they were only able to put up 15 And if I'm points. not mistaken, I think they were at home. I think I was watching. Yeah, they were. Indiana they was were. at home. So they definitely, Indiana plays a lot better at home. They have a, um, for being a, uh, and that actually has kind of been getting under my skin the last year or two because I never really noticed it until recently. But, like, I wouldn't say Indiana is any better of a football program than Maryland is. I kind of put that, like, I'm just talking historically big picture. Like, I put them yeah. kind of on the same tier. I mean, we don't got to beat a dead horse on Maryland's home crowds. I think that goes without saying what they've been like over the years. But Indiana actually puts on a pretty good home crowd, and those fans actually come out and watch that football. Now, it's the Midwest, and they love their football in Indiana, too. But, like, come on. Like, the fact that Indiana is filling stadiums and student sections, and they're actually staying past halftime – um, I'm not saying now I just noticed it recently and they've obviously had recent success. So maybe it hasn't always been like that, but I mean, I've seen Maryland, even when they're having a little bit of success and still have a hard time bringing a, in a home crowd. Um, so on a, you know, a noon Saturday game. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's just one thing that I, you know, have kind of noticed about Indiana, but this year in particular, yeah, they're not very good. They're down to their third quarterback. Like you're saying, uh, they're only, decent skilled players on offense are really receivers and they don't have quarterbacks that can get on the ball. So um, the defense has lost a ton of players and uh, and to pros and graduation. So they've seen a lot of turnover. Um, Yeah. It it should be a game where Maryland can take advantage of, um, you know, a weak opponent. And we talked about this last week uh, and this is kind of playing out exactly how I thought it might if they, it was so crucial to get that Minnesota game because with this upcoming schedule, they essentially need Indiana and Rutgers to, to possibly make a bowl game. And if they lose to Indiana, then what are we talking about here? Going into the hardest part of the schedule with absolutely zero hope. Like what, what product are we going to see then? Should we even do a podcast at that point? Like what, you know what I'm saying? Like what what are we going to talk about? 100% basketball all the time. This will be the uh, Terps hoops podcast. Um, and and you won't hear a complaint out of me because I, I, it could realistically happen. Um, but what I feel like is going to happen and what I, uh, alluded to last week was 
is, is the cynical Maryland fan in me, but it's it's shaping up to look like they get the W this week, homecoming. They go through their rough patch, however bad it looks. And then it comes down to that Rutgers game, and we're feeling good, and we're feeling like, okay, even though it's on the road, Rutgers isn't good, we're not good, but we've at least had a couple wins here and there. And we lay a total egg and just mm-hmm. get blown out in Piscataway. And that's, hey, I'm I'm not trying to be pessimistic, Pat, here. I'm just saying I've seen enough Maryland football seasons to it's hard. feel You're that. It's hard. You're a Maryland like, fan. We, you end up just expecting the worst. You expect the worst to happen, especially once the month turns to October, we're screwed. I was, I was texting with a buddy of mine, and I was telling him uh, last weekend that I need a new college football team to adopt from the months of October through December. Yeah. And so I'm taking everyone's recommendations. The problem is that the only other team that I've ever sort of rooted for is freaking Tennessee because I have wow. this sick similar to me. I, mine's Texas. Okay. Yeah. So I've always liked the long sick draw to these like disappointing programs because as Maryland fans and for me as an Orioles fan, like I'm just drawn to these terrible disappoint. Like I just, Seek well, at least you're not a Redskins fan, too. At least you have the Ravens in your life, that's and that's a true. positive thing, a very positive thing. It's the only thing, thing I got. That's, I'm clinging to it by it's all right. Because Capitals? Are you a Capitals fan? You like hockey at all? I don't really follow hockey. I haven't yeah. managed to get into it. I think it's because I grew up outside of Baltimore, and I was just never able to feel ownership over any of the D.C. teams. So I like I know so many I people sort in your of situation tried with the Wizards and the, the Caps, but yeah, I know I know a bunch of Baltimoreans who uh, hopped on the Capitals bandwagon back when they were in the Stanley Cup, and I'm like, I've known you guys for years, and I've never heard you talk about hockey once, and now you're you know all Washington Capitals up, but yeah, I mean it's it's the team to root for if you want a hockey team, oh, which for is sure. fine. But yeah, I mean, if if Baltimore had a hockey team or an NBA team, I'd follow yeah. it. But I just don't. absolutely, and and I'm with you. I mean, I feel like you know, I, I'm a I'm a hometown fan. Regardless, they're always my A teams. But when when your teams are in you know the druthers for year after year after year, and you just have a horrible franchise run by horrible ownership, you you want to enjoy the sport and you want to have a rooting interest for some other team that's decent. So like for me, like even though the Sixers were quote unquote good team last year they had the best record in the east they weren't a good team they're not a good team they're not a good franchise they are so corrupt and rotten from the top down i I have a very hard time supporting them i'm a huge steph curry fan so love the golden state warriors i i'll watch their games if i can stay up late enough to to see them and stuff but uh yeah for college i like texas they haven't really been much better of late they can't even beat maryland so (laughs) college football is is not my strong suit these these days. Yeah, so if anybody has other recommendations for me outside of Tennessee, I, I, I'll take them. I don't know if it would always be SEC. Who knows? But uh, for baseball, I do kind of root for the Padres. That's always kind of been a secondary team. Cause... <laughs> See, my secondary baseball team was always the Orioles. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah and sorry. Well, yeah. <laughs> and the Phillies aren't much better. So Yeah. Yeah. But oh well. You still have our old GM. Is Andy McPhail still up there? Yeah. Uh, he is, uh, he's basically getting paid to do nothing. He is. Okay. Um, well, that's yeah. what he did in Baltimore. Yeah. He ruined our team, ruined our farm <laughs> system. And now we're like paying him to sit in a corner and not yeah. do anything. So yeah, it sounds familiar. That's typical yeah. Andy. Pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, so we will talk about some more positive stuff here. Um, but I do want to get, before we move on to basketball, do you have a prediction for this Maryland game? I know you, 
seemed like you were leaning towards predicting a victory. Yeah, right, is Maryland going to cover five, five and a half? It just went up to five and a half. Yeah, I don't know if they'll cover, and I hate taking football lines because they're so yeah. sharp. But um, I'm surprised the line wasn't like minus three or something right off the bat. So it screams like a little bit of Maryland line to me, or even if it was like a pick them almost. So like, yeah, and I think for all the reasons I said before, I mean, I don't think that – I think this Maryland team, albeit they've looked really bad recently, I think that they – there's just enough talent on the roster, period. It's not like they're depleted with injuries like last year's. They're yeah. just shooting themselves in the foot. They're a very undisciplined team. I love Mike Loxley as a person. I think he's a cool dude. I think he's a great recruiter. But I've always questioned his, uh, I don't even want to say leadership ability, because I think the guys play hard for him, but it's the X's and O's. I just don't think you know he can sustain a winning culture in as a head coach, Um schematically but yeah um i think there's simply enough talent here to beat this depleted and really floundering indiana team um especially homecoming crowd should be good yeah i'm pretty much on the same page you got ralph region coming back i saw that they're gonna bring him back they're gonna celebrate the 2001 team you know what at this (laughs) point i mean reunite him and moxley yeah, I mean, and we'll talk more about Loxley as the season kind of draws to a close here. You know, there's been a lot of conversations on the message board and around Twitter about about Loxley. And I think people have a lot of knee-jerk reactions. But I think for me, one of the things that stands out is the athletic department's either reluctance or unwillingness to uh, or just that they're unable to uh, invest in his assistance. Um, you know, you saw him kind of have to cheap out on a defensive coordinator hire in Brian Stewart. Um, you know, I think Dan Enos is a solid, was a solid hire, but I think with some of the other guys, you know, you lost Joker Phillips to a lateral move because of money. Um, you lost, uh, George Hilo. I think that's who it was who left for Michigan. Uh, again, sort of a lateral move. I mean, I know it's Michigan, but it was a money thing and they just yeah. weren't able or willing to match salaries of assistance and it hurts your continuity. So I think yeah. for that, and I think the defensive coordinator hire really stands out to me that he, he really had to cheap out on it. And that's why yeah. he went after Brian Stewart. And we're not talking about Loxley making all that much money. I mean, he's, he's no, really no, not getting cheaped out even on the head anything. coach. Yeah. It's, it's and I get exactly. it. You're, you're still paying DJ Durkin. Uh, and all of his assistants, probably you're still, I don't know if they're still in the book for any of Edsel's money, but they could be. They and I know the athletic are, departments, yeah. they've been in dire straits financially, but you got to figure out a way to get these hires done, whether it's boosters or something. So yeah. that's something I'd like to see in the off season, maybe some better investment in the, in the assistance. It's um, tough because I think, the resources are what they are and they, yeah, you know, I'm not even I saying know. that they're doing, they maybe, you know, they're not necessarily doing the best they can with their resources. That might be what they have to explore, yeah. but it does. You're right. I mean, it seems like every time we do have a, a decent assistant, they, they only last a year here uh, because yeah. we just can't compete financially. So that's definitely yeah. a huge part of it. Cause I think Loxley, you know, he has the ability to, be a good leader, um, but he needs solid assistance in order to make that happen. He can recruit. He he surrounds himself with good right. recruiters. He needs player um, development, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he does. So, and he can form the relationships with the kids. They love him. Uh, there's a reason why he was able to come in at, at such a dire situation for the program after the DJ Durkin debacle, um, Jordan McNair's death, and the whole thing with Matt Canada. He was able to come in, and he actually, first of all, he wanted the job. And second of all, he was yeah. able to salvage a roster built a lot with a lot of hometown kids, and you didn't see a mass departure. Uh, when he came on board, you saw some, but not as much as you would normally see, especially oh, yeah. after what happened under Durkin. So sure. we'll dig into that. We'll be able to get Mike's thoughts on that uh, over the next few weeks. But we are going to talk basketball. So I mentioned last week they're ranked 21st in the AP's preseason poll, 18th in Ken Palm's preseason poll. Um, and I want to run down because we've had a lot of preseason accolades uh, for the Terps. Eric Ayala was named to the preseason watch list for the Jerry West Award. And he was also today named preseason to the preseason All-Big Ten team. Dante Scott, uh, preseason watch list for the Carl Malone Award. And Kodis Wahab, the new center from Georgetown, named to the watch list for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award. So a ton of uh, media attention for the Terps. Um, they're ranked about where I think you would have expected before the year. Uh, 21st is about right. I expected anywhere between 15 and 23 or so. Um, I, I like that sort of media attention. It's, it's good, but it's not great. Um, like that year when they started in the top five and then fell off at the end of the year. Right. Um, this feels this feels good. And over the last couple of weeks, as things have started to ramp up basketball wise, I've, I've started, you know, my yearly get really excited about a Maryland team and it's, it never turns out well, but at least we should have a few months of, of solid play before they, uh, they would inevitably fall off any other year. Hopefully we don't see it this year, but um, yeah. how, what's your mindset at right now, as far as this Maryland team goes? Yeah, I think I, you know, I share a lot of your thoughts. I think it's a, it's a team that, um, won't be hard to get behind. I think it'll be one of the more talented Maryland teams we've had here in, in recent years. Um, you know, maybe not as quite as talented on paper as the team that was top five, but, um, you know, some maybe having a little bit less expectations than that will, will be good for them. Um, it also does speak though to the competition ahead of them. There are other teams within the conference that are going to be ranked in the top 25 ahead of them who I really like this year. Who I think, um, or built for success, Michigan and, and Illinois and Purdue, to, to name a few. Um, yeah, but I, I think that this team is certainly built the right way. Had, they have a little bit of everything. Um, could maybe use one more shooter from the wing, but you never know who, if that might come from, from somewhere uh, unexpected. And, um, yeah, I think that they, they – should that it should make them give them a chance to win every game because it's college basketball and you could be a 10 point dog, which they probably won't be in any game, uh, lock on wood and, um, and, and still win. So they, they should have a chance to beat any team, even the top of the conference teams. And, uh, they should be one of those top of the conference teams. I mean, I think that they should realistically be expecting top three, um, in the conference, but, if it's top five, that's nothing to necessarily be ashamed of because the other four teams might be contending for, for one seeds in the NCAA yeah. tournament. So, um, yeah, I mean, I really like him. I'm really excited to see, um, Wahab. I think he's going to be uh, really good, um, uh, down low for them. He's going to be, um, we're used to having a pretty good center presence, I think. And the years that we don't, it's, it's kind of frustrating. 
Um, so it'll be nice to have a reliable source of minutes down there. Um, and, and then, you know, I really like, I, I, I'm a big Eric Ayala fan. I think Eric Ayala is, um, you know, someone who can, um, be a leader on this team. I think that he is a, a very good college point guard and someone who could have a great senior year. So I'm happy to have him back and he's got some help in the backcourt too. So, um, yeah, it should be. A very exciting season. It'll be another uh, benchmark type of year for Mark Turgeon, and I'm sure he'll have his ups and downs as, as it usually goes. And one underrated part about this season is that fans are going to be back. Students are going to be back in the stadium, and that's such a massive advantage for Maryland. Such a big advantage for Maryland. They really, yeah. You could tell last year how much it affected them. They didn't play as well as they typically do at home. Really, nobody did, but especially Maryland with such a, a massive home court advantage. And you know the students are going to be ready, especially those who were freshmen last year and didn't get to experience Maryland basketball are going to be ready and out in full force this season. But I oh, think yeah. – as far as the team goes, you know, the, I said last year when the transfers of Fats Russell and Kodis Wahab were announced that this, even if they lose or even when they lose Wiggins, Morcel, and obviously they got Ayala back, this was going to be a more balanced team on paper than it was last year. Yeah. Because you had a true point yep. guard and a true center. And neither they didn't have either of those things last year. Ayala is a serviceable point guard, but he's probably slightly better off the ball, at least playing off the ball maybe 50 to 70% yep. of the time, which he's going to be And they're the two do. biggest positions in college basketball. Yeah. It still hasn't fully become like the NBA where it's, you know, becoming more and more the need for wings and guards and guys, basically just anyone that can shoot the three. Um, college is starting to become a little bit more like that than it has been in the past, but year in and year out, the teams that we see win the NCAA tournament, you got to have a good point guard. You got to have that floor general. It starts there. It's like having a quarterback and um, having a, a, a dominant uh, big man down low can just make all the difference because most teams can't, compete with that so if you have a guy down there that can avoid fouling out and actually make a difference in a game and mostly provide defense so the teams aren't just driving on you and he's ripping down rebounds on those missed threes because you know you're not dealing with nba shooters plenty of misses um no i agree it's, it's like the perfect combination of players that you would want to come in to rebuild with yeah and i think they're set up well to run the type of system that mark turgeon wants to run it's like a uh, we, traditional we, exactly high yeah. low yeah yep Absolutely. We know what Mark Turgeon wants. He's not going to run. This team is not going to get out in transition with regularity. I know a lot of people have been pushing for it over the last decade that he's been here. It's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to happen. We and know the, that. Pre, so, the teams of previous years, like last year, like recent years last year, were built better to do that. And he would, yeah. do, he would do it in spurts yeah. and it would look good and he would never stick to it. So now it might actually, like you said, this is a roster that should be – tailor-made for Turgeon what he wants to do so that might that cohesiveness might add to, to more success and the really solid defenders across the board and the new additions Fats Russell a stellar defender I mean stellar. They, a lot, Wahab, a lot great defender yeah. yeah a lot has been talked about Russell as far as what he's going to bring offensively as far as a point guard and and distributing the ball and being able to to slash a little bit but his defense is probably the 
most important part of his game. Uh, and I saw Andy Katz ranked him as, as what, the 19th best player in the Big Ten. He's running through his uh, his top 20 players in the Big Ten. He was very impressed with Russell. Uh, I yeah. think he you know he's going to be a, yeah. a, an integral part of this team. And then Wahab's defense is going to be key as well. Yeah, I mean, I, like like you said, like those two are not only going to bring it from uh, an offensive standpoint, able to, to run Turgeon's system, but they're going to bring uh, plus skill set to the defensive end too, which is a, a backbone of, of the Turgeon team. And this should be because of their length and athleticism and their um, depth. This should be one of the best defensive teams, not only in the Big Ten but in the country. That might be where they cut their teeth. They might, they might finish third in the Big Ten, but be first in defense because uh, the other team. And that's without Daryl Morcel on the roster, right? And Morcel is a great defender, but this team might be a little bit more balanced across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, I know our, our colleague and um, you know Terps announcer Chris Naki wrote up an article recently on yeah. on BSL and uh, kind of gave some some quick hitting observations that he's been noticing in practice. And, um, you know, Ian Martinez, I think that's one that, that is going to be exciting and yeah. that he's excited about. And he says he's a next level athlete. Um, he's a bit of a tweener, but you know, it's, it's, if they can settle him down into a uh, position, I mean, he'll play somewhere out on the wing. Um, I'm not, haven't got to see him up close and pers- personal enough to really tell if he's going to turn into a much of a shooter, but, um, you know, athletic usually lends to defense and, you know, having he maybe he can sort of fill that Marcel role a little bit because that's what I think about when I think Marcel, athleticism and um, versatility. So, um, yeah, I mean, I really think that this is going to be a fun team to watch and it won't be – I don't want to put expectations on them because, like I said, it's like there's good competition ahead of them. I don't want to say, oh, they better finish top three in the Big Ten. It's like, well, you could finish fourth and still have a really good year and have a really good yeah. team, and we could win 20 to 25 games. And um, I think that's what we're looking at here. I think, you know, you're looking at a 20 to 25 win season and, uh, and a good team that's going to keep the fan base uh, interested. And I think the biggest question, and you alluded to it earlier, is who's going to score from the outside and who steps up at the three. Because right now you look at probably uh, Russell and Ayala at the one and the two, uh, Scott at the four, and Wahab at the five. And then the three, Hakeem Hart's probably going to get the first crack at that job, but you've got a lot of guys in the mix for that. Ian Martinez is one. If If his offense can step up, he can get on the floor for more than situational situational defense minutes. And then you got James Graham, who's a guy that I'm really excited to see. You know, maybe he develops as the season goes on and is able to give you quality minutes. And and he's, I mean, along with Hart and hopefully Dante Scott, hopefully his uh, shooting from the outside rebounds to what it was at the beginning of last season. If you can get two or three of those guys to be legitimate options from the outside to join Ayala, who has a decent enough three-point shot uh, yeah. to, to threaten with it, you know that's good enough, and it, it gives you more options than you had last year when Wiggins was one of your few guys who, who could consistently make from the outside, especially once Dante Scott really dropped off once conference play started. Yeah, yeah, no, all good points. And, you know, I definitely – I think Graham is a dark horse to uh, to, to be that outside threat that, that could really emerge as the best shooter on the team. And uh, everything I've been seeing, apparently Dante Scott's got his weight down. He's in the best shape of his life. Perfect. All of that should translate into not only being able to get up more shots and practice and all and just feel better, but just being able to get to spots quicker, being able to release faster, all that stuff. Um, 
I, I think he is due for a bounce back from outside. So, well, yeah, with Wahab so. with Wahab at the five, it allows Scott to move back to the four, which is right. his more natural. Be more position. of a stretch four, and um, and yeah, and I mean, and a lot of people that have seen the team up close and personal so far are really hyped on Hakeem Hart. So, um, hopefully, they've. I mean, his shot was streaky when it was falling; it was falling, but the form of yeah. his shot is woof. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so like hope maybe they've done that. Maybe they don't need to. Maybe it's just good enough for maybe he's hitting shots and it'll be good enough for the college level. It certainly won't be something that gets them to the pros. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's another long athletic guy who can do a lot of things for you, especially defensively, too. Right. I was just going to say uh, some of the most impressive things that I saw defensively last year from anybody not not named Daryl Morcel was Hakeem Hart at the top of the zone. Yeah, top uh, of that one. Created three, a one. lot of Him or Wiggins, either one were yeah. great, uh, great at the top of that zone. And yeah, we still got one of them and maybe Ian Martinez is the other one. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of stuff to look forward to. Um, I was looking at the schedule just real quick. You know, they have an exhibition against Fayetteville State November 5th. Season starts November 9th against Quinnipiac. But there's a few there's really three things to look for in the non-conference. There's the tournament in the Bahamas that's going to take place over Thanksgiving break. The first set of games takes place on Thanksgiving. Then you got the Big Ten ACC Challenge game. That's going to be at home against Virginia Tech. And then they play Florida and Brooklyn on December 12th for that basketball Hall of Fame Invitational. Uh, so those are really your three biggest um, non-conference either matchups. And then the, that tournament in the Bahamas looks pretty solid as well. I was say, that I might know, be the toughest non-conference schedule I've seen them play in years, honestly. It's not yeah, bad. And good. Um, yeah. They, they need it. They got a good team. They need to take care of those games. I mean, those are all winnable games. Ken Palm's mm-hmm. got them winning all of them. Florida's not going to be easy on a neutral territory on a neutral floor, but, uh, yeah. you know, neither is Richard and Virginia tech. You just got to live up to expectations. I don't want to hear from, you know, Oh, you know, we got to gel together as a team. We didn't have time pandemic. It's like, everyone's dealing with the same stuff. You're not always exactly. going to have time to gel. You got the talent. Let, let's get it done. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we should know pretty early, uh, whether this team's legit or not. Um, For sure. And, and the conference schedule, you have that one early game in early December against Northwestern, and that really kicks off after New Year's. January 3rd, they play Iowa um, on the road, I think, and that really kicks off their full-time Big Ten schedule. Yeah. Back-to-back and, road games, Iowa, Illinois, that, that'll be tough. Whew. Coming back from the holidays to play Man. those two games on the road will be tough. But we, we will get a Illinois. good glimpse of uh, how resilient and how good this team is pretty early on in the season. Man, I, I mean, it's going to be like last year. Every week in the Big Ten is going to be is going to be difficult. Every game in the Big Ten is going to be difficult because even the right. teams that are, you know, not even ranked in the AP, like Michigan State and Indiana, both programs that could and teams that could easily sneak into the top ten by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. I think Rutgers is getting a little bit slept on too. I mean, they were building yeah. a good program. They don't have the star power, and they lost some guys, but they've they've been building there, so they shouldn't be as bad as. Um, you know, I'm seeing Ken Palm ranking them 67th here. I think they can get inside that top 60, top 50 for sure. Yeah, and then you talk about you know a team like you know Wisconsin or Northwestern. I mean, yeah. all the you know P- Penn te- State and Nebraska might be really bad. Those right. are the two I could see yeah. being very bad. But other than that, it'll be it'll be competitive every every week, every game. Yeah, Ken Palm's got Penn State at 70, which is interesting. In Nebraska at They're a disaster because of everything that went on and having to get rid of their coach and losing recruits. Right. And, yeah, they were it's – it's a shame because they were on the up and up like Rutgers. They and they even seemed to be ha- like built to have a little bit more sustained success. Um, 
but it all kind of just fell apart. So that's yeah, Penn State Florida, for you. Yeah, Florida 25th and Virginia Tech 39th as your two big non-conference games. Yep. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun to watch. I mean, it's um, it's it's coming up before you know a couple of weeks the the season starts, which is pretty wild. Uh, make sure you get your Big Ten Plus. Uh, subscription or trial or however you finesse that or listen to Johnny Holiday on the radio, however you want to do that. They do have a couple games on Big Ten Plus before the, the season really kicks into gear. But but that'll be uh, that'll be starting up here. We'll, we'll be talking mostly basketball probably from here on out, especially once, once the football team runs this gauntlet for the next three weeks against uh, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. Uh, but we will be watching the game. Uh, check out uh, all of the articles that we've got up. Um, I've got it. I'm going to have one preview up about Indiana tomorrow. I'm going to keep pounding those out all year long. Uh, fight through the pain, uh, but be sure to read along at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Uh, Pat, you you working anything up article wise? Yes, it's the same basketball article I was working on last week. Uh, okay, <laughs> had a lot of life events going on, so I've been haven't really had a chance to sit down and, and write. But um, tomorrow, unless something totally unforeseen happens, I'm, I'm skeptical to make promises these days. But uh, <laughs> yeah, tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow it will get written, right. and it will be about this basketball team and about its depth. Probably talking about a lot of the things we just talked about. Good. Like you mentioned, Chris Knocky's got one up previewing the basketball team. Uh, he just put that up a couple days ago. Jordan Katz put up one uh, previewing the uh, Big Ten as a whole headed into basketball season. So check both of those out. Join the conversation on the message board and follow us on Twitter at TalkingTerpsBSL. For my co-host, Pat Donahue, I'm Zach Kiesel. Roll Terps.